Welcome to the Pub Meeple Podcast with your host Gary, Chuck, Just Brian, and Robert Brian. On episode forty-four, we discuss collecting as part of the hobby. So grab a brew, join us at the pub, and let's talk board games. Well, as always, guys, it's great to great to see you. Great to kind of get around the uh, the well, at least the virtual table here for at least for the time being. I think we have a good good discussion ahead. Uh, but first, I'd kind of like to uh, see what what are you guys uh, what are you guys drinking, and, and then we'll kind of talk real briefly about what we've been playing. Chuck, did you have? An, I think you you've been the one that has consistently has the most interesting beer lately. What are you drinking tonight? Hey, I went with a classic Keystone. Why? <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> Hurt. It hurts. No. It's a classic. It you hurt. said it was a classic. <laughs> no, that's a classic. The okay beer. It's, cl- it's imported from Colorado. <laughs> classic to throw in the trash. <laughs> 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 this episode is sponsored by Keystone. <laughs> so <laughs> not, so what, really. what are you drinking? <laughs> I One of my classics that is not named Keystone. A dogfish head ninety minute IPA because it's delicious mm. and like the best IPA ever. Mm. So, really, so I mean that that is. It's my favorite IPA. It okay. it doesn't have any like special flavor. Like a lot of IPAs tend to have some sort of fruity flavor or uh, more of a floral type thing to it. But this one's just just strictly a basic IPA, but it's done so well. Like Dogfish Head knows what they're doing when it comes to IPAs. We're Dogfish Great. Head. We make IPAs and we do them very, very well, right? I mean, Do you like... Yes. Yes, they do. Do you like their 90 better than their 120 IPA? I would never start off with a 120. You never start off with a 120? Is that kind of like a uh, taste bud killer? It's it's very high alcohol content. It's almost kind of like drinking liquor, um, like okay. a whiskey or something. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, really, it's really harsh. Uh, I would have a beer to if you're going to have one of those, and it's, it's going to hit you pretty hard once you're finished. I'd say the opposite. Yeah, I would say it's more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. because you're drinking more, and then you like swallow more alcohol. It really is. I mean, they're, they're hard to find. They are expensive. FYI, the 120s are very expensive. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I've had them. They're good. They're not bad. They're just very high in alcohol. I I do prefer what I thought you were going to ask was the 90 over the 60. I think the 90 is the real good sweet spot. You're going to get one. Okay. I I agree completely with everything you said with all the numbers. Um I I had gotten I picked up a Temptress uh um was it Lakewood Brewing. And the reason I did so uh which is it's not new to the podcast we've we've talked about it before, but I found out recently that my wife who does not like very many beers likes milk milk stouts um or at least a couple and so i picked this up in hopes that maybe this would be one she liked just so that way you know she she we could you know we could drink that together and uh she did seem to think it was okay but not as much as the one that she'd really liked and i don't have that that the name of that milk stout in front of me i I wrote it down but um so i'm continuing on the search for if i can if i can get that one but yeah i i never never have a problem drinking a temptress man It's, it's good good beer it is good well so uh shuck dogfish head does make most of the best brews of their type and i will have to say i haven't had one of their namastes in a while which is a weed ale probably my top weed ale there is uh but today i'm doing my second favorite which is francis connor oh it is i I love the wheats and francis connor is probably more true to a, a german uh, Munich yeah. wheat beer, so uh, at least something that we can get here in Abilene at the local grocer. So, um, for my money, 
you turned me on to that one, and it's really good. Uh, that's un- it's unfiltered too, right? It is. It is unfiltered. Yeah. So you want to leave it upright in the fridge. You know, you want to. You yeah. don't want to lay it down, and you want to let that sediment go to the bottom. Yeah. Don't, um, don't store it on its side. Yeah, let, do yourself a favor. Right. Yeah. Right. The only thing interesting about what I'm drinking tonight, because it's a go figure, a Topo Chico. The only interesting thing about it is I found a bigger bottle of it. So Ooh, hey. <laughs> it's, that's all. It's a 17 ounce bottle instead. Ooh, but uh, I think I know what you're going to say, Chuck. I, I thought you were going to say you were trying a grapefruit this time. <laughs> no, and, but you know, they actually another interesting thing that I've heard or that I've seen is uh, the Topo Chico has a hard seltzer now. Yeah. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I thought I might have one of those tonight, but I didn't get to get it. So I was, I saw them in the store and I was like, man, I need to get one of those. And then I kind of talked myself out of it, but I need, I need to have one. We're kind of moving on into games. Uh, have you guys been able to play anything lately or, or anything that's kind of high up on, on your two play? I have played more than normal actually recently. Uh, I got to play my quest kids copy that came oh, in yeah. uh, with my son and my daughter um, I would say it's a lot like if anybody's played um, Five Minute Dungeon, it's actually very similar to that, except you kind of have a board instead of, and it's not like super real fast, you know, real time kind of play. But it's it's great for a kid. I love the kind kid cards, which are really kind of neat. You, you're trying to win and you're trying to beat the monsters, but you can help out the other people at the table by giving them the cards they need to defeat a monster. And then you get a kind kid card, which allows you you get extra bonuses and things. And sometimes you get enough of those bonuses that actually give you more points than the person that beat the monster. Um, it's really an a interesting concept for kids about sharing and everything else. And very, very basic, but, you know, my six-year-old loved it. So uh, I thought that was great. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Do you know, because uh, I know you backed this on Kickstarter, correct? Do um yes. Is this going to be in in regular retail? Like, is this something we might we might see on the store shelf? Uh, have the, do you remember from the campaign if they mentioned that? It's possible. I don't. I'd have to look into it. I don't remember. Okay. Well, it's just this is one. I remember when you talked about it and you showed us some pictures of it uh, in our our Discord chat. There, um, I was kind of tucked that one away in the back of my mind. Is it's like a good game to recommend to someone else with younger kids, you know? Because it looks like even if like uh, mom or dad's not a huge gamer. Is a rule book pretty easy to parse? Like if if it was like a family just kind of looking in to get into a fun game, could this be more of an entryway? You think or gateway? Oh yeah, the 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 rules are are really simple, very easily laid out. It's kind of probably a bigger rule book than it needs to be. The deck is kind of large, but it's also there's not a whole lot of rules. It's yeah. very simple rule book. I mean, okay, does exactly what it needs to do. There's no extra fluff. What What about you guys? What the Bryans? Have you guys gotten any gaming in? The game that I've enjoyed the most that I've played recently has actually been with uh, Jess Bryan, and that's Undaunted Normandy. We started playing that campaign a long time ago, and we kind of got back to it here recently. Undaunted Normandy is a kind of a deck-building World War II game, and it is fantastic. It is so good. One of yeah. you plays allies. One of you plays is the uh, the Germans. And you go through, you know, scenarios. The book, the the game has scenarios set up for you. Like there'll be a scenario where uh, you have to capture a certain number of locations on the map, or you have to get to a certain location on the map, depending on what side you are. And the other side's trying to stop you, or trying to, uh, or also trying to uh, capture certain points. 
Yes, Brian, you can chime in in a minute. I want to hear your thoughts too. But I think one of my favorite things about this game is that it plays in like an hour or less, like each mission plays in an hour or less, but it feels like you've played more. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's real thick, right? It's kind of not dense as far as like a, a complexity, but dense as far as decision making. It's It's good. It throws you right into the action. Like there's not any downtime at the beginning of like setting up your forces. And it's like you start the game and turn one, you're shooting at each other and, and you know, uh, stepping on each other's toes. And it's very good. Undaunted Normandy. You got anything else on it? The, the rest is just kind of details, right? We had our last mission. Um, I was set up in the middle and you were kind of mostly on one side, but you had a sniper behind me that was almost impossible yeah. to kill. And and it's those kind of, and, and like you said, it, it starts right away. So you almost have to kind of commit. You, you see the layout, you see kind of the situation, you have to kind of commit to a plan. You know, plans can change. You can pivot if you want, but but it is kind of, it is one of those games where you don't really know what's best until hindsight, right? Like I, I and and then you're thinking my, to yourself, man, if, if I could play that again, I'd play it differently. And the other guy's thinking the exact same thing. Every time we played, I've loved it. I've even said, you know, to proper Brian, I look forward to our Undaunted Nights as much as I look forward to my Gloomhaven Nights. You know, I mean, it's just that it's on that level with me on on the gameplay and the and the interaction with the other players. So I I get the one player of that game in, and I really liked it. I I totally uh, want to see how that campaign plays out. Uh, you mentioned something. You're talking about a game that that is kind of deep on on the decision space, but pretty light on, on what you're actually, you know, the, the rules part of that. Um, and that is, I know I've talked about it briefly here before, um, the command and color series. I recently got a uh, command and color samurai battles and, uh, so did our friend Jeff. Now he, I'm still in the process of stickering the hundreds of wooden blocks I have, but he had more time on his hands, I guess, or is just better at it. And he's already stickered his set. So we played a couple games, uh, the other day, and what I really like, two things about that game that, that stuck out to me. Um, one, the rules are fairly simple, but it it just really, the decision space is deep. And I find myself kicking myself afterwards, like, why did I make that decision? Why did you make that charge? You, why did you leave that leader open? Well, I thought at the time it was a good move, you know? So I I, I love I love that series now. I'm, I'm starting to find other, like, uh, historical eras that they have set command and colors uh, games in and i'm i'm kind of hooked now and then on top of that i want to ask you guys and i think it's worth talking about at some point what you think about games that um where the battle is initially set up or, or the, the initial setup is not exactly even um from what it sounded like maybe maybe one side sometimes gets has has a nice boon that the other one doesn't and uh, command and Com- color samurai uh, Jeff and I played the same game, the same battle twice, and in both sides, uh, in both times, the same side won. And you've got one side starting out with heavy mounted samurai against, like essentially like peasant spearmen and bowmen, and then they have like one decent uh, medium medium unit, but it's mainly like going up against light units. And and you you look you set it up and you're like, well, yeah, you've got two twice as many units, if not more, but. The way the the rules work, the samurai can like shrug off hits from the weaker units, and the the samurai obviously have this like almost unbreakable morale, so they're not really phased by it. And so, anyways, they just carve carve a path through the other the uh, weaker units. Now, Jeff did better with with the uh, 
that let's say the weaker side uh, than I did, but it, it just seems like um, I, I I don't I don't think it's a fault at all. I think the game's brilliant and I think it's fun. It's challenging when you're playing that side that would seem to be weaker, trying to figure a path, you know. And then even if you lose, it's like, well, man, man I made him pay for it, right? So uh, I don't. Do you guys does Johnson have any of that, or are they very very well balanced scenarios? I don't feel like they're well balanced. Mm. I, well, so I think they're balanced for the game. I mean, proper yeah. Brian wins most of the time, so obviously his side has the advantage almost every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I felt like when like the <laughs> just kidding. Obviously, obviously. Oh, I mean, clearly, tell us how you really feel. I mean, you know. <laughs> this game is broken. I felt like I have had. I have felt like I've had the advantage. No, that's uh, not true. Several times. That's not true. Um. Oh, that sniper. <sighs> Was that as you were holding Brian down? So that you could <laughs> <laughs> oh man no I, I do feel like there's a little bit of a scenario favors one side slightly um, I don't think it's like weighted heavily but it doesn't sound like you know with the mounted samurai thing I, I feel like uh, in the case of those mounted samurai I mean according to Age of Empires 2 you just need a, a full complement of some pikemen and you should be good <laughs> Something I'm really excited about. It's a new YouTube channel called Board Game Burger. Oh yeah, and or or BGB mm. if you find them on Facebook. It's a really good buddy of mine, Ark, and his wife Rachel, and their group there in Bremen, Germany. And this guy's. Let me just tell you. I mean, if if a friend of mine came and said, "Hey, can you can you promote you know." what we're doing or, or, Hey, just talk about it, which he didn't ask. I would say, sure. But he just kind of told me about what they were doing. And I looked at it and it's stellar. I mean, yeah, he's a friend, but aside from that, I don't care. It's, it's really good. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that really fits into a pub meeple kind of thing. They've got the reviews, they've got the playthroughs, they've got like the one-on-one date night stuff. They've got the stuff with the kids and the content, uh, as far as the meat of the content is, on par with the hobby. These guys know what they're talking about, Ark and his crew. Uh, but they even go the extra distance. Their their production is amazing. Like better than anything we ever did. I mean, it's 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 they're they're really making the extra effort that we could really digest. And especially now a days when we're not really meeting in person as much and we're consuming a lot more online, uh, I, I would really recommend you go check them out. Half of their stuff or or maybe the majority eventually will be in German, uh, but they do a lot in English as well, uh, especially when they play with their kids uh, or when they do the date night stuff. So, I mean, that's just stuff that right now is really relevant to us. Go check them out. Board Game Burger on YouTube, Ark, Rachel, and I, I wish I didn't I didn't do my 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 homework to find out what the other guys were that that I don't speak German anyway, but they're out in, they're out in uh, Bremen support them and just check them out. Yeah. Subscribe. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're not asking for anything, but just uh, check them out and you'll be happy. You did. So board game burger. Uh, sounds cool. I've seen the, the link to the video. I need to watch it. There's a lot of content out there, but there's some really good content. It sounds like from what you said, they've, they've got great production quality. Yeah. And they're still real excited. They're not cynical like us. You know, they're not tired. Oh, yeah. They're still really excited <laughs> about doing stuff. So they're going to be coming out with like some really fun, exciting, energetic things. And uh, and if <laughs> and uh, we if we you know cheer them on, I'm sure they'll continue to do so. So, well, speaking of being cynical, uh, let's take a deep dive into the hobby and our brains here 
and, and talk about um, our, our main topic tonight, which um, has to do with just talking about collecting games and, and, and the hobby and how, how that fits in as part of a hobby. Is is it part of a hobby for you? Are you ju- are you solely a gamer? I mean, I know we all have a board game collection, right? But do you see yourself as part of partly a collector or, or mainly as just a gamer? And then, um, you know, also kind of talk about the hobby at large, where we see that going. Do we see a lot of... Uh, a lot of collecting going on. I mean, I think it would be fair to, you know, well, we could talk a little bit about this past year, but um, just kind of want to want to throw that question out or that topic out. And uh, I know Shuck had talked about, um, kind of brought it to the group. This is how we started bouncing around this idea is that, you know, after seeing a Facebook post where someone kind of posed that question, and I think it's something we've all kind of asked ourselves, either asked of ourselves or, or talked about in the past. Shuck, do you kind of want to kick, kick us off there since you're the one who kind of had started started us on this recently the post was a while back i don't even remember exactly what the question was i don't know if it was like the main topic or if it's someone that made a comment on another post or something but basically it was like buying games you know just just as much as part of the hobby as playing the game and that that's kind of how it was worded i started thinking about it i was like you know how many people collect the games, um, you know, I mean, because we always talk about shelf of shame or, or what? It, what is the new term terminology uh, for the shelf of? There you go, shelf of opportunity. I thank uh, Scott Morris for that. He really pushed been, that. Yes, and, he pushes that hard. And now and I, now I see other people saying it, and I'm like, yes, I know the guy that I coined do. I that. See other people. I've shook hands with that man. Shelf <laughs> of opportunity. It's a good Use man. it. Use it. He is a good man. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, we all, we all talk about that, you know, and it's it, a lot of times it's because we have this collection aspect. I mean, I, I like to have kind of all of the things I tend to go all in on a lot of the Kickstarter contents that I have. And a, a lot of that comes from my father. He is a collector of collectors. Uh, his mom was as such as well. It's kind of just been passed down in the family. We like to collect things. Uh, yeah. before this, it was, you know, penguins. I collected penguins. I mean, so it's it's like, a, it's always been something. Now I'm, it's games, which is nice because I can actually share that with my family and my friends and I can do something rather than just have something that sits on a shelf that collects dust. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of really the question though. Like, are you still part of the hobby if you don't really play very often and just collect games? Is it the enjoyment of the collection process a part of the hobby in i don't know as a gamer i want to play you know like i i don't like my game sitting on the shelf and i also know that when i buy a lot of the things like a lot of the expansions i end up usually not playing many of them i usually play the base games uh, the majority of the time so as sometimes i don't know that it's necessary but i like both parts so I don't know. I'm curious yeah. what y'all's thoughts are. So one of the ways I like to think about this is I kind of asked myself this a, a while back. What kind of collection do I want to have? Do I want to have a museum or do I want to have a library, right? A museum being something where you know it's, things sit on the shelf. I buy them because I like the idea of them or there's something about them that's pretty. Sure, I intend to play them at some point, but that time may or may not come and I'll be happy either way. And the idea of a library being, I get them off the shelf and use them. Right. And for me, I wanted to, I wanted my collection to be more of a library, right? I, I want to play the games that I buy. Yeah. I don't want to just buy a bunch of games and have them sit on the shelf. So I guess to me, that question kind of helps point. Am I just buying a bunch of games or am I 
buying games, you know, selectively because I know I'm not going to have time to play them all. Am I buying these games selectively to use them? I still think, though, that the collecting part of it, for me, having at the time, I, I mean, I have four little kids now and they're all getting bigger. So I have more more time to play. But when they were little, I didn't have a whole lot of time to play. And so I was f- trying to find way other ways to enjoy the hobby. And one of the ways I found to enjoy the hobby was in the buying process, the researching, trying to strategically figure out like which games I'm going to buy together so I can get that free shipping. And then you wait for it to get here and then being excited about it, getting the big box, opening it up. You know, I made that a part of the hobby for me because I didn't, I wasn't getting to play a lot of games. And so it was fun to have that as part of the hobby. So at that point in my life, yeah. The collecting part or the buying part was just as much a part of the hobby to me as getting to play them. Obviously, playing is the goal, but the buying or the collecting the it was it was a big part of the hobby for me. That's, that's interesting. And I like to I like the term using the term uh, library instead of collection. I may have to do that myself. I remember a point in time, Proper Brian, you you and I had this conversation, and you told me, and this is probably back in the yonder years that you're talking about that opening the game. And kind of organizing it and and getting the components out and all that, you've already got your money's worth out of the purchase. And then kind of playing the game obviously is ultimately the direction. But but if you don't, I mean, you're you're content with your purchase because you feel like you already got your money's worth. Is So are you saying that you've kind of gone past that now that you're in a different stage in life? I mean, yeah, I, rem- I remember talking about that. And at that point, like I got to play so seldom. I felt like I was enjoying the games, you know, like I said, researching them, reading the rule books, organizing them. I'd, I would make, you know, foam core inserts for the, I would interact with the games in different ways than playing them. Even though I wanted to play them, I still wanted to be up on the news and up on the new games and playing with them, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I would say it's, that's not as true for me today because I do have more time to play, but then like, that's what that's, the way I got to interact with the hobby, right? And I wanted to. So that's the way I did it. Right. Right. And that, that might be many listeners, especially, you know, last year when we can't really interact with the hobby or we do interact with it, but in very limited ways. And even with like uh, the internet being what it is, some, some aspects of the hobby have been a little toxic. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that might be where many people are today. You I've, know. I've seen a lot of posts talk about, that because they've been stuck in a house during COVID, they've seen their purchasing go way up uh, and their playing go way down. And, and it may have even been where this topic came out from, like mm-hmm. where the whole mm-hmm. conversation started was for something like that. But, uh, you know, in reference to yeah, opening the boxes, there's nothing like opening the box and like punching all the little pieces out. And it's kind of like getting a new book, like, you know, and you like crack the book and, op- and you smell like it's that same like like it's like I want I want to dive into this and, yeah. and play it and and see all the things I've smelled every board game I own. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's Look, a few more. Look at the cards and read all the cards. <laughs> when you play my copy, you'll know I've smelled it. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, well, we learn something about each other every time. Uh, oh. I, I definitely understand what you're talking about as far as when when uh when you get it out and, and you, you interact with the the game and even if it's not playing it, I do think um well, you know, you guys know I've I've talked a lot about how I've 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 gotten to where I enjoy some of the, the, the games workshop games where you have to build your own models. 
I don't particularly enjoy painting them, but I've interacted with some people and I, and I see people online who, who almost rarely ever play those games. I mean, this doesn't compute for me, but that you have people that have like very expensive Warhammer 40 K armies or whatnot. Right. Um, and they've never actually played with them or they're very, they play very infrequently. And it's mainly the assembling, the painting, the collecting aspect of it. Right. And I, and that that's a hobby into, in, into itself. Now, is it, I guess we can kind of argue whether you're a gamer at that point or not, but um, I mean, at least you're game adjacent, right? So like a thought occurred to me of, of uh, magic, the gathering, like I Ooh. have a lot of cards. I've spent a lot of money on cards and I have this other, like this thing where I, I craft and, and build these decks. Uh, like I have an app for it even. And sometimes when I get bored, it's like, you know, that's my past the time is like just, brewing decks and figuring out little combinations of things and then when i find one that i like i really like the idea i'll go and buy these cards and build like a physical deck that i own i i rarely go and play tournaments or or you know friday night uh magic and anything like that uh. but something about like having the deck i goldfish a lot which is a term in magic um where you basically Play your deck by yourself and you just like you go through the scenarios in your head and you try to figure out how the deck works and i will sit there i'll pull out a deck and i'll just sit on my bed and i'll just play the deck like over and over and try to figure out the best ways to you know do certain scenarios and i don't know i'm like i'm like getting enjoyment out of it but i've spent a lot of money on it too like probably i've spent more money on magic than i have on you know a lot of my other games because it's it's just an expensive hobby yeah um I don't know. Like it, I started thinking about it when you're talking about because I, I know Warhammer. I have Warhammer friends that paint, and um, many of them will paint and they'll go to tournaments and things. But they probably do that once a year, yeah. maybe. And and some of them probably enjoy just painting it and displaying it, having the armies together, maybe brewing army combinations and and that kind of stuff is exactly more enjoyable to them than the actual playing of the game. I don't know. I just kind of struck a chord a little bit, uh, something I hadn't thought of. Well, I mean, so like going kind of back to a term you just used, Gary, painting, assembling, brewing decks, all these things could look like they're adjacent to our gaming hobby. But I mean, even before we were quarantined, even before we were kind of trying to find new interesting ways to interact with a hobby, we were doing these things based on our time. I, I don't think they're really adjacent to, I think, I don't think they're supplemental. I think our hobby is that vast that it offers these different facets that we can entertain and enjoy and play with this stuff in, in, in various ways that interest us. And, and, and in that regard, some people are very pragmatic. They only want what they can play. And some people are not, I mean, they, they, they're very idealistic in this and they want what they like. That's what's cool about a hobby is you can enjoy it the way you want. And I, I don't, I enjoy playing games more than I enjoy painting minis, but I spend more hours painting minis because I have more time to myself than I do opportunities to play yeah. games with other people. It, if, if I didn't have the opportunity to paint minis in my downtime, I'd probably be working out and being buff, but thank God, like I get to paint minis and, uh, and, and enjoy beer because otherwise and enjoy I'm beer. miserable and in shape and man, the hell, 
What the hell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. No. I love my life. I love my life the way it is, man. Leg day. Don't skip leg day. I gotta say I I I really enjoy my evenings, you know, just chilling with Netflix and and being sad by myself painting minis. Um it it really is no, but seriously, it's another way I get to I get to interact with um with this hobby. I don't think it's adjacent to. Uh, I, I really feel like it's part of, you know, nice. and if, if people don't enjoy it, that's fine. I, that's what's cool is no one, I, no one in, in our circles feels pressured that I paint minis and they don't. No one in our circles feels pressured that no. my collection looks like this and your, oh, I'm sorry, but, but yours doesn't look like this. In fact, we're excited that you have this collection or that you have this cool thing and we're excited with you. And that's what's, that's what I hope we see a, a more arise in is a lot more of this excitement for one another, as opposed to um, kind of creating these categories that separate one another. Make a good point. So instead of, instead of calling that like a, a board gaming adjacent hobby or some, similar or tied into it, I mean, it, it really is a niche part of the hobby, right? Um, just the same way. And it, it could be just the same way as you have people who, who are lifestyle gamers and they're going to play Catan and they've got Catan and a few other games. And that's, they just love that, right? They love that one thing. They're still board gamers. They, they don't really care about the hotness. They just care about the, the handful of games that they've had for years. And they'll, they'll add one here and there, right? Um, that, that person's still just as much a part of the, the hobby as the, the person who chases every Kickstarter, right? I think it changes over time, too. So, Proper Brian mentioned kind of his arc. But haven't we all been there? Like, what did your collection look like early on? I know with me, I had Carcassonne and Catan and maybe boulder dash for years but i loved gaming and i was like drawn to these gaming stores and i was really drawn to like what else is out there you know and over time i think you mentioned this gary buying would you say buying a game two games a year was a big deal well i, I would buy like i would buy a, a game every couple months maybe or every few months I'd, I'd look and research and i'd buy basically at first i was just buying what you guys told me was cool and then i would started researching online and I was like, well, if I like Lords of Waterdeep, what else might I like? You know, and then, I, oh, worker placement Agricola. And then, you know, I went down that rabbit hole and, and I, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a point at which I would buy a, a game every few months and I thought that might even be a lot. And then there've been, now there's months where I'll buy a few games and then I'll go for a while without buying anything. But so yeah, your, your, your hobbies change, right? Or your habit changes um, or hobby, habit, collection. I don't know. Here's the thing I have a little less relation to in my own just like what about the people and i'm sure there are maybe not as many of them out there as as you know where we're going to stand from but ones that like truly like collect like have huge rooms full of just massive collections of games i mean i i assume that they probably still play i mean would you see that any different i'm i'm just curious really i, I don't know how to it's not something that I've ever thought of doing and I don't know, maybe if I had the money, which is probably never that I could do something like that yeah. to begin with. But so instead of like, say we all, we all sit somewhere in a, you know, hundred, hundred or so games, right. Or hundred, 150 games. I think we've talked about that in the past. We somewhere in that, in that spot. Right. Um, you're talking about the person who has 10,000 games or 5,000 games. Like the world record guys. Like I, I, sometimes I'm curious what's going through their head and like why they do and what, what like the enjoyment they get out of that is, is it just having all of the different things or I, I don't know. I, 
don't want to like step on anybody's toes for people yeah. out there that that do have a big collection. Yeah, I would say like even in our circles though, a thousand is a lot, right? A thousand is to us would yeah. be be very many. Um, and aside from those who are actually that we're connected to that are actually in the industry itself and that makes sense for their job, it, it kind of seems luxurious almost, but yeah. frivolous, frivolous. Thank you. Yeah. So, so how do we connect with them? I think we would actually have to talk with them and ask them. I mean, I think we need to interview them and ask them to be fair to, to their position because I don't uh, think any of us can talk to talk on that. So I think I've learned and, and you brought this up earlier, how, how we've changed. I think, while right now where I sit, right, that seems frivolous and it seems a bit, although, I, hey, I'd love to have that collection, right? I wonder, like, given a few years, like, who knows where where we'll sit on that? We may think we our new goal may be a thousand games, right? Yeah. How many people think that your collection's frivolous at 100? Yeah, that, that any yeah. of our collections is frivolous at, you know, I mean, I'm sitting, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I checked the other day. I, I think I want to, I mean, I'm sitting around 160 games. And I'll tell you right now, I, I feel Sometimes I feel odd about that because I can't play all of them. And so I keep thinking, well, I need to reduce. And I, I did sell some games. And I'm looking at the games I have. I'm like, well, I would need to sell more, get rid of some more. And then I look, and every one I have, I have a valid reason for why I'm keeping it at this point. And so I, there may be, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that guy, that man or woman with 5,000 games, they could look at every one of those, and they may tell you they have a valid reason for each and every one. And I wonder if if it if they look at it from like a collection standpoint, you know, like collectors do with things like, yeah, this is a first edition, uh, you know, limited run. They have those games, I'm sure. Like yeah. that would be a really neat kind of thing to have, and they probably have a little story for every one that they they purchased, and that would be actually really kind of fascinating. That would be really there. fascinating to me. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah. So you bring up a good point, and I think that's that's where you, you are. You those are the true collectors, right? Those are the people who could look on that shelf and whereas whereas i just see a stack of games that look pretty cool like shucks and i think he brings up a really good point they'll be able to tell you first edition game um version of this game printed by this company they're out of stock i mean uh they're they're no longer around uh second edition was printed by so-and-so in 2010 um you know i mean like i could see where that would be fascinating for someone and if you had the time and resources um, i mean judgment free zone right well and i've I've seen people post on Facebook, uh, you know, they have their collections and they have two or three of the same game where they buy all the different editions. To me, that's just like, why? But, uh, you know, them, there's there's a reason for it. And it's this interesting collection aspect to it that I don't have that connection to, but I'm just curious. Those are the people that fall on the, they fall on the museum side of things, right? Yeah. They're buying games for the uniqueness of the, the thing on the shelf you know like as long as they're being you know, financially responsible and relational relationally responsible <laughs> you know yeah uh then great you know yeah. who might have judged at that point right enjoy yeah enjoy it that way for me it's hard to imagine that just because i know my situation doesn't allow that and if i did do that i would feel or i would i'd not i would not be in a good place yeah. So if they're doing it that way, great. I mean, enjoy enjoy it that way then. So for the rest of us peasants, I have a question for you guys. Uh, there's an aspect to our collection that has seemed to take a turn in it, or something we've talked about before, and many hobbyists do, many collectors do, but it seems to be somewhat popular on the rise, or at least the, the it's it's gaining in popularity, and that's culling. 
We've seen some culling videos on YouTube that have come up. People are interested about what are what are you culling? And so I'm curious how culling comes into the conversation on collection as a collector, not as a gamer, but as a collector. I feel like, I mean, the idea of a collection, like you, you want to curate that collection, right? You want to, uh, I mean, to different degrees, you know, different people have different degrees of that. And so I think that's part of your trimming and taking care of your collection, right? Pruning some tree so it so it flourishes and gets larger, in- right? And or or aim or aiming it at you know in a direction or uh, something like that, right? For some people, I mean that's anathema to them. Like, don't touch my don't touch my yeah. my games. I'm never calling anything. And then yeah, they sleeve everything too. <laughs> <laughs> Would you leave these people alone? I used to be a sleever. I love you. <laughs> so I think you bring up a good point, and and that. Um, because I know I've talked to people where I told them I, I sold or traded a game, and they're like, "Bro, like I'll never trade a game, you know? Like it's in my collection, it's in there." And my thought was, "Well, I mean, hey, I traded it for something I really enjoyed more, right? Or at least ideally, I thought I would enjoy more." Um, but I will say that um, I have made some calls that I regretted. So I mean, there's, there's, uh, I've kind of changed and and, and tried to, uh, I think I've gotten better at it. Yeah, I do, I do think there's that's an aspect of it. Like for you guys, I mean, is calling more based on limited space, or is it that I've got four worker placement games about farming and I only need one, maybe two? You know, like where, where does calling come in for you guys? I know we've talked about what do we call it, the shuck method. Um, yes, so. <laughs> the shuck method. Which actually, but for new pe- for new listeners, I think it's handy to, for the because the, the shuck method is actually very very good. <laughs> so I. Yes, it is part of my collection. So my as far as culling goes, so the the shuck method is I I tend to like having one or two uh, unique games in the collection and so and I usually try to keep that somewhere around 100. Um but when I get a new game, uh I look at the games on my shelf and I decide if that game has something new to offer to my collection. Or if it's going to replace a game in my collection, and that's- sometimes he'll manufacture the reason because there's not a good one, so he'll make one up too. <laughs> Shush. Um- okay. <laughs> now he's being attacked. <laughs> so I mean, for me, like judgment the, free zone. The, the calling is part of the collection in that I'm trying to keep a rounded collection, and like you said, I don't really want a bunch of worker placement games. I might have varying difficulty levels of. Uh, worker placement games oh, okay. where I have a harder one that I play with more of my gamer friends. And then I have a lighter version that I play with my family and friends. Uh, but I don't want two lighter versions because I would rather just get the one and play it with my family. Uh, I have so many games already. Like I don't have to make that decision as, Oh, which one do I want to take today? Like I'd rather just play the one that I like yeah. more. And so that's kind of how I keep my collection rounded. So yeah, calling to me is, is, it's part of the collecting process. I, I like the the version, uh, the thing that just Brian said. It kind of reminds me of like a, a bonsai tree. You know, like you're you're snipping and, and pruning the the tree to get it to the shape that you want. You know, like that's that's how I kind of see it in my head. I'm a gaming hedonist, so for me, it has nothing to do with a system I've uh-huh. set up or a space thing like proper Brian. If if I like it, I will rent a storage building. Or 
find an offsite rig to store my crap. <laughs> if, I mention, <laughs> or if I mention offhand that I think it's a good hey, you know, I think it's a good game, and then Brian goes and buys that it. That looks good. I'll buy it. <laughs> he goes in the shopping cart. Shuck, I can't even tell me time. Shuck has been like. Hey, I heard about this great new game. Uh, it's yada yada yada. It's got this great mechanic. And then you see, it's just Brian's eyes kind of twitch. And then like a week later, hey guys, I got that game. In. Oddly enough, that is also correlated to how many. Speaking of culling, how many games I've culled? The the number is similar. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's some data spreadsheet I haven't worked we got out. Some but anyway, d- uh, data guys here, we can we can we can mine that. I, if if you're if you're a person who just says, "Man, that was fun," I want that. <laughs> you, you're my man I, or woman. I feel that. Like, like a, just Brian just alluded to. My calling is mostly centered around my space. Like, I only have a certain amount of space to store stuff, and I'm not getting a storage building. <laughs> and and then uh, secondly, it's it's kind of I kind of do borrow it. mine. I can borrow you. Ooh, okay. Well, it, that, better be, it better things. be temperature. Control. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We don't want any warping going on here. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Trash bags. So the he did say he was a heathen. Heathen. <laughs> hedonist. Hedonist. Not heathen. Hedonist. What? Oh, there's a, a seeker of pleasure. All right. For those. Yeah. So, so now, heathen, that we, now that we derailed you. Yeah, sure. Only in the gaming <laughs> aspect. You won't find me that way in anything but gaming and beer. Sorry, Proper Ryan, you're saying something important, and and I interrupted with something unimportant. Gaming and beer. No, I was just saying that it's a space issue for me, and then from there, it's I do kind of what Shuck does, and I try to keep you know games I like first, and then not too many of one kind. But I don't. It's not to the uh, the depths, the depths of of uh, Sean's uh, insanity. You have more of a, a kind of a. <laughs> average system to all of ours right like you're kind of got the mediocre version you kind of do a little bit of all of us in a in a in a optimal way i'm a middle child and everything about me is medium so yeah <laughs> medium brian that's why we call a medium brian fine i find myself quite sane until there's a cmon kickstarter okay that's that's what is I'm, it with you in when i lose it that's true <laughs> like i mean Here's the thing. Here's the thing is we can all pick on our weaknesses. All right. I mean, that's that's funny. And that's why we do it. But that's so true. Like I look at Shuck and I and I say, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. And he's I can't. It's just there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be backing one here this next week. So. <laughs> I, I do think years ago when we first early on in our part in the podcast, we had a discussion about collections. And um, I do remember being kind of influenced by the shuck method after that. And I never can get quite to the level that, that you do shuck, but I have a lot of respect for, for it. And I do think thinking along those lines has helped me personally. There's times where I'm like, to make a tough decision. I'm like, I've got four games that are kind of similar, but I find myself uh, making exceptions for certain things. You know, for example, this, this past year, Capstone and Rio Grande have been putting out a lot of winsome games and I love those and they're pretty cheaply priced. and it makes it easy to kind of just go ahead and have a whole bunch of train games. And I know at some point in the back of my head, like I feel like a drug addict. I know at some point I'll never play all these. And at some point I'm going to have to call them, but I find myself still doing that. You know, like I still, I still pick them up. And so I wonder 
if in that part, if in that aspect, like that's, that's the collector in me, right? That's, that's the collector part of me. And then there's other times where I'm, I'm buying games purely simply like, because I know I'm going to play this game and I'm going to get it, get to play it a whole lot. And it, you know, I, I barely get it out of the shrink and we get it on the table. Right. So I, I got to wonder like how, I don't know. It, I feel like um, there's times where I make like much more shrewd decisions and other times I, I, like oh really there's another another choo-choo game all right it's it's mine you know so i don't know uh i I feel a little conflicted when we brought this topic up i was like man i'm a collector that's not at all i i think we we want to categorize things in such a way partly because we're content creators and partly because we're hobbyists and and we like lists and stuff like that but at at the end of the day it, it it that's there's a spectrum to it, right? I mean, in what ways are we collectors and what way are we hobbyists and what way are we gamers? I mean, it's going to be some kind of sliding scale and, and, and you're going to do what makes you happy. And so, yeah. Do you collect winsome games and cube rails to a funny degree that we make fun of you behind your back? Yeah, you do. That's, that's, that's what, that's what makes G bear G bear. But at the same time, um, you don't make that same like judgment call. You're not a robot. It's not a program. It's not an input output kind of thing where you do that with every game that comes across your, your, you know, your screen or your, your feed. And so it makes sense to me. I mean, like if Alexander Fister has a game, I'm going to look at it, but, but it doesn't mean that um, I'm going to take everything that comes my way from his games to everything that comes my way with a miniature game or whatnot, or how I feel about, I tell you right now, I'm at a point now where if a miniature game comes up and it looks awesome, I'm a little bit like, I don't need more minis to paint. (laughs) And so, and so I almost am more apprehensive where before I wasn't because, oh my goodness, more, more minis. And what if I die before I paint them all? I think you posted that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <something> about, yeah. <laughs> earlier today. Yeah. Um, Never leave anything so, unfinished. <laughs> right. Many, many uh, painters are like, oh my gosh, let's finish. Yeah. I mean, and, and in that in that regard, I think we all kind of, as, as gamers, collectors, wherever you are on the spectrum, we all feel that kind of tension, right? And tension's not bad. I think we just need to, you're a beautiful person, except you are. <laughs> hey, you know, that's a... <laughs> Like let's let's end. Uh, that's a great place to end this. Like on this positive note. Like hey, we're Except beautiful for people. Yeah. <laughs> oh whoa. Hey, we gotta cut that out. <laughs> no. He's handsome. Yeah. He's handsome. Oh, yeah. He's he's handsome. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Um, no, I mean I, I do think that's that's a good uh, that's a really good point to make is that we all, f- all fall on the spectrum there, and and I think even even the people who are hardcore say hey I don't I'm not a collector. There may be that one or there may be that one or two game, well, a couple games in their collection one or two things that they're like, well, I do keep a hold of this, you know, I play it once every five years, you know? Um, and at that point, you know, I, I think you say, okay, well, you're, you're on that, you're on a spectrum somewhere. Well, all right, guys. Well, uh, Hey, I do, I do think uh, this has actually got to be a really good discussion. I hope it's useful for, for people who listen to it. Um, and if you have some thoughts, please do uh, shoot us an email, right? Uh gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, or, you know, if you have, have something you want to add to that, or have another question that's, you know, kind of this made you think of another question that we could talk about. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely send that out to us. And as always, guys, man, I just I enjoy every time I get to hang out with you guys, whether it's talking about games or playing games. And, uh, yeah, tonight was no exception there. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll see you guys on the, on the next episode.
Thanks for listening to the Bub Meeple Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, like and subscribe. Share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at pubmeeple.com or our website, www.bubmeeple.com, home to the board game ranking engine. And always remember, support your local breweries. Thank you.